from regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This podcast is presented by the Miami Rescue Mission Broward Outreach Centers, also known as The Caring Place, www.caringplace.org. Welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program with all the good news and more. Brought to you by the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers, where caring for the needy, feeding the hungry, and changing lives happens every day. Now here are your hosts for Mission Possible, Ron and Marilyn Brummett. Good morning, South Florida, and welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program, brought to you by the Caring Place, also known as the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers, where we are reaching out every day to the homeless and hungry of South Florida. We're caring for the poor and changing lives every day. I'm Marilyn Brummett. And I am your host today of Mission Possible. Many times you also hear my husband, Reverend Ronald Brummett. He is the president of the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers. The reason we always say also known as the Caring Place is because that is our website. Uh, you can find us at caringplace.org. All of our email domain addresses are caringplace.org. And so we want you to go and check us out if you have not done that as yet. We've been doing this program for over 10 years. Mission Possible, the good news program. Well, I am joined today with wonderful uh, Leanne Navarro. You've heard her uh, voice on the program many times. She does a lot of the interviews with our community leaders. Leanne, thank you for being with us today. Always so happy to be here, Ms. B. Thank you so much. Well, your voice is not a stranger uh, to the show because you do get to talk to a lot of people doing wonderful things. Now, you know, there this last week, and in fact today is kind of the last of what's going on in Miami-Dade, and why is the Miami Rescue Mission connected to it? Absolutely. So we have in our wonderful, beautiful city, and other cities also in, in, in Florida, uh, we have the Sobe Wine and Food Festival that is happening in South Beach, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a wonderful event. We have talked about it. We love it. Uh, they, they do po- put together a beautiful event for everyone. Uh, but they're connected with us because a lot of the preparations that they're doing, all that food prep, all that food that is going to the festival is being prepared in our building. Oh, wow. <laughs> right behind our men's center. Uh, we have, I mean, I've seen, it's fascinating, by the way. I've seen the chefs. I've seen the volunteer students from FIU Hospitality uh, School um, in Aventura. I mean, I've seen so many people just getting together, cutting up onions and the meat and preparing. And, and I was telling you off the air, this meals, all the mm. food, delicious that is being cooked. Well, and they've taken over our center yes. for men annex which yes. is right there in 
Wynwood, yes. right? And in fact, right across, uh, well, the alley, I should say. Right behind say, it. Right. Our cafeteria, which yes. is, uh, you know, our center for men there. But it's just all connected. And they prep. Can you yes. imagine? They take that big space there and they just change it into a prep area it's It's all very sanitary (laughs) but all the wonderful smells that come out and you know what this is what the third year they have prepped there i believe so yes and every time i mean the the one thing that i love about them as well is not only they're prepping and getting ready for the festival but they're also feeding Mm. our residents and our guests from the community so for four days out of the week Mm -hmm. they actually do all the cooking all the preparation not only for the festival but also for our residents and I all all this week I've been listening to our residents of what a treat, <laughs> what a treat, what wow, you know. And our food is always yes, good, but yes. hey, listen when it's pre- when it's prepared by famous chefs and FIU hospitality, yes. um, hey, that goes to another notch there. It, it does. I mean, the residents have been telling me. I mean, they've been wanting me to go and get food myself because they're like, oh my god, it's such such a treat. So we're very thankful for that. And then and we do food rescue as well. Well, we do. So that's the other thing. Uh, our food service uh, staff mm-hmm. and, and volunteers, they go to the e- festival every night, every night during the week. Mm-hmm. And they actually rescue all this food that was not used, that was not cooked mm-hmm. and they bring it back to the mission now listen if anybody wanted to go you know sunday is is today is the yes. last day for the Sobe food and wine festival over there on uh collins avenue i think the ticket booth is there on 13th street and yes, it collins is. Mm-hmm. now the tickets are like 200 or 250 dollars yes. uh, there's a little difference there but that means you can eat everything from what there i mean there's tents after tents after tents of just you can sample all kind of food yes you can amazing food yes and today it's from 12 to 5 i i understand that yesterday they completely sold out Mm -hmm. so i mean there it's an amazing event again you don't want to miss it if you leave if you live here in miami and then if if that wasn't all good enough Mm -hmm. they're also helping us prep uh, all the food that's going to be served at our graduation ceremony. Oh, March 16th. <laughs> now, those who are listening right now, can you circle that on your calendar? March 16th, Saturday yes. um, at 2 p.m. need to really start arriving about 1.30 and yes. park. But this is the amazing graduations. These are uh, people that have come into our programs. They were homeless. They were hurting. They were hungry. There, there was just seemed like no way they were giving up even on themselves sometimes. And as they came into our programs, they went through the education. They went through the life skills. They went through all the things they needed to do. So for many of them, it took anywhere from nine months to 18 months yes. to graduate the program. So this is a big deal. And they're going to be walking the stage in cap and gown. So uh, I'm Marilyn Brummett. Uh, Leanne, so we're going to say right now on the air, uh, Marilyn and Leanne are giving you a personal invitation to come see this graduation. This is, you know, we cry happy tears because we have seen these people as they came in hurting, hungry, homeless, uh, thinking there was no way. And now they're walking a stage cap and gown. They have got their education degree. They have careers. Uh, they have safe and affordable housing. And they are moving on now to empowered 
uh, lives. Isn't it amazing? It's a transformation. I mean, this is what we live for every day. I mean, I always tell people that know me, this is what get me out of bed every morning. Because, yes, you know, you're dealing with the volunteers and you're feeding and you're serving meals. But programs is so important. And these men and women that go through our program and we're celebrating their success in a cap and gown ceremony. And I don't want to forget, I want all of our listeners, if you can make it, yes, call me, uh, Ms. Bromit, call Melissa, um, call us and let us know that you're coming. But if you cannot come and you want to sponsor a grad, Please, there is an opportunity as well. You know, I mean, we yeah, want you guys. Sponsor a cap and a gown. Yeah. How much it is for a cap? The cap is only $15 and the gown is $20. Yeah. Or, of course, any donation of your choice. Right. I always tell our volunteers, if you can now make it or even if you can make it and you want to support also through a donation, what a great way to support our graduates. So for $35, you can sponsor a graduate and just really make their day very special, saying you have a sponsor today yes. that has sponsored sponsored you walking the stage and that's so nice for them to know that you know they receive a diploma uh, but the the actual ceremony is so positive and uplifting we have the um, MVC uh, dancers that come every year they are amazing we have special speakers um, from the community we have people that uh, are really part of our community that come out and they and they really to celebrate, celebrate them. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because celebrate this is transformation. Success. Now, listen, you don't want to uh, forget there's an upcoming interview, Reverend Ronald Brummett. He pre-recorded this with Judge Leafman, Steve Leafman, and he's an elected judge um, of the 11th Judicial Circuit. And, you know, he's become the gatekeeper, um, you know, by maybe default or of the largest psychiatric facility in Florida is the Miami County Jail. But you need to hear this interview. It's very eye opening as to what is going on. Yes. And uh, so we want to want you to stay tuned for that. And then and then we're going to have an interview that our my my colleague, uh, David Beltran, did with Allison Leach. And Allison is the food movement uh, director for Sobe Wine and Food Festival. It's, it's, It's beautiful to hear her say all the things that they're doing at the mission that they've been doing all this week and then i will do an interview with jonathan he's going to give his testimony of life change you know i I talk about this all through the week sometimes you might hear my little 15 second advertisement (laughs) about that where i ask you to tune in and hear a life-changing testimony so you don't want to miss the testimony of jonathan and then leanne and i will be back with more mission possible but don't miss all these upcoming interviews well welcome back you know, in today's uh, society, when you're going on the byways and the highways, you probably see the homeless. And sometimes you see them on park benches, you see them in parking lots, and sometimes they're talking to the clouds. And in the last five to ten years, I've seen this personally, that the degree of mental illness among the homeless has just skyrocketed. And today we're so grateful to have Judge Steve Leifman. Uh, he has a rich history in dealing with the homeless and the mental health uh, issues that they have. So welcome to the show, Judge. Thank you so much, and thank you for the amazing work the Rescue Mission does. I'm really honored to be here today. Yeah, now you're not just coming around the block. You've done this for almost 20 years, uh, working with the mentally ill and those that are having criminal charges. Can you tell us a little bit about what, how you got started sure. in helping those that would show up in your courtroom uh, that were facing several charges but obviously had mental health needs? I didn't realize when I was becoming a judge, I was actually becoming the gatekeeper to Florida's largest psychiatric facility, and sadly, that's the Miami-Dade County Jail. 
And how many? How many you think are there at one time? Twenty, uh, twenty-five thousand. Um, no, it's not that bad. Okay. But uh, <laughs> we we do we did when we started the project have over one hundred eighteen thousand people arrested, and about twenty percent of those had a very serious mental illness. And when we use the term mental illness, we're usually talking about people with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder. These are not necessarily people that are sociopaths. That's a different pathology. These are people with real brain illnesses that um, need treatment. And because in our society we've done a really poor job helping people access care, uh, they've defaulted into the criminal justice system. And that's not just homeless people, that's just people that are, 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 have gotten trouble with the law. That's correct. And so about 50% of the people with mental illnesses that get arrested are homeless at the time of their arrest. So I, I, I was getting ready to go on the bench one morning and I was approached by the lawyers and they asked me to speak to a couple whose son was in jail on a case I was about to hear. And at the time I was handling low-level misdemeanor cases in what we call a jail division. So in the jail division you have people that are still in custody on these low-level offenses either because they have other pending felony charges, they're too poor to bond out, or they have a serious mental health disorder and they don't know how to get out. So they brought this lovely couple back. Um, mom was distraught. She was crying. The dad was shaking. And they literally began to beg me to get their son help. Mm. They told me that he was brilliant. He had gone to Harvard. He had a late onset of schizophrenia. And they just didn't know what to do. And I was relatively new at the time. And I think when you're a new judge, you think you have a lot more power and a lot more wisdom than you really do. And I made the mistake of promising them that I would get their son help because I was under this illusion that if you got arrested and you had a serious mental illness, there must be some type of mental health care provided in the jail. Because how, how long ago was that now? I was in uh, January 2000. Okay, that's quite a few so, years yes, ago. Quite a few years ago. And at the time, judges had absolutely no training on how to identify people with mental illnesses, what to do with people with mental illnesses. We were just thrown in to the deep end of the pool and expected to figure it out, which we didn't know how to do. So as I began to go back into the courtroom, the mom stopped me and said, look, Judge, there's one more thing I need to tell you about my son. She said, not only is he brilliant and can be very manipulative, um, he probably also knows more about the mental health system than you do. And I looked at her, I was kind of puzzled, and she said, well, you see, my son, he's the former head of psychiatry at Jackson Memorial Hospital. Oh, my goodness. Exactly my response. And so I was pretty taken back. I went into the courtroom. I called his case. We started talking. He was coherent. He was thoughtful. He was more respectful than the lawyers. And I'm thinking, okay, seems okay to me. <laughs> Except when I looked at him, he looked like a homeless guy that hadn't bathed in probably months. And at some point, he kept insisting there was nothing wrong with him. He didn't have any type of mental health disorder. And if I would only release him, he'd go see a doctor. He'd come back. He'd get evaluated. And I didn't really want to leave him in jail. He was in on a ridiculous case. I don't even think it was like a statutory misdemeanor. It was like a local county ordinance, like possession of a dairy cart, which the police sometimes used to pick up homeless people. So I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure, Your Honor, anything. I said, well, I just don't understand one thing. You keep insisting you don't have any type of mental health disorder, but you're homeless, you're recycling through the criminal justice system, I don't understand if that's the case. Why would a Harvard-educated doctor be in that situation? And whatever I said triggered a full-blown psychotic episode. 
and he started screaming at the top of his lungs and everything he was screaming was in sixes and he insisted that his real parents had died in the Holocaust and that the parents or the couple that were, were there in the back of the courtroom uh, were from the CIA and they'd come to kill him. And it was a pretty horrible situation. And the only thing I knew to do at the time was to order evaluation. So I ordered an evaluation and it came back. He was incompetent and he met criteria for Florida's Baker Act, which is our involuntary commitment law. I'm thinking, this is great. I'll get this guy help. We'll live happily ever after. I'll never have to deal with this again. Well, um, I needed two, three more, you know, I needed a total of three evaluations. Anyway, he ended up spending, I don't know, 10, 12 weeks on possession of a dairy cart while I was getting all these evaluations. All the evaluations came back. I all said he met criteria. And as I began to order him into involuntary hospitalization, the lawyer hands me a case and says, Judge, you have no jurisdiction or authority to involuntarily commit anybody and that you have to release him back to the street and tell him to come back. And, you know, none of us go into this job to be part of that problem. This was a floridly psychotic man who was meeting criteria of being imminently dangerous to self or others, and we had absolutely no mechanism on how to get him help. And so as a result of that incident, um, you know, it's good to be judge. I, uh, you know, called a meeting, and I invited all of our traditional and non-traditional stakeholders to come together. And we had this amazing two-day summit, and we literally mapped out how our criminal justice system intersects with our community mental health system. And what we found is it just didn't, that we were embarrassingly dysfunctional. Us so-called sane, healthy people had not only developed a system that was designed to fail, but then we punished people by arresting them when they didn't behave the way society wanted them to behave after we never offered them the level of services they needed for recovery to begin with. And a couple things people need to know about this population. Number one is they're no more dangerous than the general population. Number two, on medication, they're a lot less dangerous than the general population. Number three, they're much more likely to be victims of violent crimes than perpetrators of violent crimes by a wide, wide margin. And fourth is that recovery rates for people with mental illnesses are better than for people with heart disease and diabetes. And the younger we catch the illness, the better recovery rate you're going to have. And so we needed to restructure everything that we were doing. And so we put together this two-part system. We put a pre- and post-arrest system together. And we looked around the country. We found that um, this wonderful program in Memphis called Crisis Intervention Team Policing was this amazing 40-hour training program that taught police how to identify someone in crisis, how to de-escalate, and where to take them as opposed to arresting them. Well, it has been miraculous. Our law enforcement deserves incredible, incredible credit. We have over 6,500 officers now trained. We have the largest trained CIT squad in the United States. All 36 departments in Miami-Dade are trained. Um, If, God forbid, somebody needs the help of law enforcement that involves someone with a serious mental illness, make sure you ask for a CIT officer. But we've also trained all of our 9-11 call takers. So if there's an indication in the call that the person may have mental health, they're going to ask the right questions now and make sure the right officer gets dispatched. Um, We keep data on uh, every single mental health call both the city of Miami and Miami-Dade County make. In between 2010 through 2017, those two departments alone handled 83,427,000 mental health Mm -hmm. calls. Mm -hmm. And more impressively, out of the 83,427 calls, they only made 149 arrests. So the total number of arrests in Dade County as a result of the program from when we started was 118,000, it's 56,000 today. Our audit 
uh, in the jail went from about 7,300 to 4,000 today. Well, you know something, Judge? It's amazing to have over a 20-year period, basically, to see that such a massive change in how the mentally ill are being uh, treated. You know, that's a hot topic in today's news uh, items because all the mass killings and shootings, and I know that's the extreme, 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 but just want to thank you and your team and your dedication uh, because it is a lot of the homeless population that are being arrested for small things and they have mental, mental illness. And we're going to have you back on the program again because I know you have some very exciting news. So again, thank you, Judge Lifeman, and uh, we hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much. Good morning. Um, my name is David Beltran, and I'm the Senior Development Assistant uh, for the Miami Rescue Mission. And I'm joined today by Allison Leach. She is the Food Movement Director for Back Alley's Catering. Um, and she is in charge of basically, as her name implies, food movement for the Sobe Food, Wine and Food Festival. So we're going to have just a quick conversation about your company and your relationship with the mission. So if you could just please tell us a little bit of what you all got going on this week in, in preparation for the festival. Okay, so we do the four, what we like to call them, the majors, mm -hmm. which are in the north venue. They're the biggest events that happen. Uh, starts off with Barilla Bites on Thursday night, mm -hmm. and then we do Burger Bash, and then it goes on through the weekend. It's the same venue, um, and we do, we're in charge of, of the celebrity chefs and the local chefs, and we take the food here at the Mission, and we transport it in refrigerated trucks and then we offset load it onto their stations at, on the sand. And meanwhile, while that's going on, we also have two chefs that are designated to make the meals here at the mission. So we feed 700 people a day. And that meal is the dinner meal and we, we donate the food. Uh, Sobe donates the food nights before and sometimes that food is processed and we and we use that we try to use the donated products that we can that are perishable first okay um, so just I'm assuming a lot of our listeners have a lot of questions about this so what is what is the entirety of the connection between the Miami Rescue Mission and Sobe Wine and Food Festival okay that's a good question so this is our third year here and we have partnered with the Miami Mission because we want to feed the homeless and there we had always had food rescue going on at our events and it just made sense to actually move the prep over here so you'll find chefs celebrity chefs who come from out of town this is where they're going to prep their food and it, and the local chefs drop it off here and we repackage it and send it to the beach so that it's stored properly so if you come let's say with you know your hotel pans we're going to put them in disposable hotel pans and transport it that way and on the refrigerated trucks. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, another follow-up question I wanted to do. Um, so approximately what percentage of the food that you make you think goes back, is rescued, and goes back here to the, to the, to the mission? Well, it's hard to say uh, for each event. Okay. So it's, it, you know, it, I'm going to say some events there's a lot of food that comes back and mm -hmm. some events... There's yeah. a little bit of food. It's just really hard to say on a given year. Yeah. Burger, we, get, we eat a lot of burgers here on Sunday from okay. Burger Bash. So, so if you want to come down on Sundays, that's a good day to have a burger yeah. here. All right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then do you have any personal connection with the Miami Rescue Mission um, past Sobe? Or, yes. Or, or? So um, my company does graduation. Awesome. Uh, so we'll be back in March for that. And then we also participate in Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, yeah, we're here. We love it. 
Yeah, and then for, for our listeners who don't know, um, we do a couple of big events throughout the year here at the Miami Rescue Commission. One of them is an official graduation ceremony um, for all of the men and women who have, who have gone through our, through our program and curriculum. And then we also do special outreaches for the community. And now we want to talk a little bit more about you and kind of your particular business. Okay. Um, so kind of what do you all do specifically and, and how can some of our listeners get in contact with you in case they have some food movement needs? Okay. So our company uh, is run by myself and the executive chef, Bell, and we are a major event catering company. Okay. So we do big, big events. We do one on uh, Miami Beach called Longines Global Champions Tour. Uh, we happen to do another couple of equestrian ones in Upperville, Virginia, and we do Sunfest um, in Miami Beach. So, or Palm Beach, I'm sorry, Palm Beach. And so we don't do regular social catering. We do big events. Thank you so much, Allison, for taking the time uh, in speaking with us and for all your help and for helping us feed the homeless here at the Miami Rescue Mission. It's our pleasure. Through a great event like Sobe Wine and Food Festival. Yep, thank you. Well, once again, we are at that point in our program where we get to talk to people who are experiencing life change or have gone through life change and even though I enjoy interviewing people in the community that are making a difference, my favorite part is this part, and hopefully it's yours too. I have with me today Jonathan, and he's willing to tell us a little bit of his story. So first of all, welcome to the program, Jonathan. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to be here. And I think you all can hear he has a great radio voice, so we're going to have a great time listening to you. So, Jonathan, go back in time. Uh, you might want to start with something of your family life and then lead us up to what brought you to the mission. Yes. Um, as you all know, my name is Jonathan. Um, I grew up in an intact family, uh, educated. Uh, I was a fortunate child. I was very spoiled. Um, got mostly everything that I wanted. Uh, at the age of around seven years old, I was actually introduced to marijuana from an older brother. Mm. Um, so I started off uh, at a very early age, and I started drinking probably at about the age of eight. We had a family business of grocery stores and things of that nature. Now, so, did your parents know what was going on? Well, I used to grab the beer from my father's hand when he gets home in his easy chair and he's tired and just get the beer. It was an old saying said it said it was good for killing worms. So, mm -hmm. um, I graduated to powder cocaine at the age of fifteen, nice which man. which it was uh, very rough. Um, I started cocaine until about the age of 24, and I actually had a nine-year um, stint of being clean and sober. Mm. Um, I relapsed, and I stayed out. Now, when you relapsed, was would you say there was any depression? Was there, was there a, a catalyst that, that kind of helped that happen? Yes. Uh, life on life terms. My wife, uh, work, a little depression. And I wasn't exactly doing what I was supposed to be doing anyhow. Um, I was selling narcotics. So. Mm -hmm. um, and I wound up staying out for nine years because of my pride. Came back in, stayed clean for three years, and then I relapsed again. 
and um, just before I was, it was the last day of me staying at my apartment, and I was walking to the store, and I seen one of the guys from the city, and um, I told him, like, listen, I really need help. I really need help, and he told me that there was... Uh, Is that what we call the green shirts? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes okay. ma'am. And um, he told me that there was a bed available here at the Miami Rescue Mission in which he called uh, a gentleman here, the intake coordinator, and they sent me over, and it was on a Tuesday, and I was very blessed because you all do intakes Mondays. on Mondays, and it brought me in, and, and I was very grateful. I was very grateful for that. Um which began my road to becoming closer to God. Now, when you say closer to God, did you have any kind of um, background with that? Yes, I grew up. Um, I grew up in the church. And so even though you had this drug usage early in life, there was kind of a dichotomy happening with you. Back when you were young, you had the church life and you had that other life. Yes, ma'am. I was living two lives, which is very difficult because they say you can't serve two masters. And um, yeah, I veered away from it once I got more and more into the street life. And, uh, okay, well, Jonathan, I'm sorry. We're going to come back to, uh, with you in just a moment and hear the rest of your story. We just have to take one pause here. And I know no one's going to turn that dial because we want to find out what happened to Jonathan and the rest of his story. Well, we're back with Jonathan, and he has led us up his childhood story, which was quite kind of a split story because he had drug use very early on, really came from the family, but at the same time you had church life also. So that was like two lives at the same time. But then you just uh, told us how you had been on and off, uh, clean, not clean, and um, you just woke up one day and said, I, I got to do something different. Found one of the green shirts in the city. That means um, that's the city officials that help people find the right place to go to. And they led you to the Miami Rescue Mission. So let's pick up your story, Jonathan, right there. Yes. Um, when they led me to the Miami Rescue Mission, I came in. I, um, I felt very grateful because, like I said, it was on a Tuesday and you all don't do intakes on a Tuesday. I had to wait a little while, but um, they got me in, and um, once I was officially in, I felt this peace come over me because I'm like, okay, I can really start working on getting back with a relationship with my God also, you know. And um, ever since I've been here, a lot of things have, has happened for me. Um, I had to work on my uh, medical issues, too, because when I came in, my blood pressure was like 190 over 120. So you uh, was really blessed to know that we have the clinic right on campus and you could go and be taken care of right away. Yes, yes. No waiting. No waiting, no waiting. And um, they worked with me. It took a while to get me on the right medications. And um, now my blood pressure is regulated and where it should be with my pulse rate. Mm -hmm. um, I also, by me being here and, and, and being disciplined and doing what I'm supposed to do, um, going to the doctor, I had to go and get a colonoscopy, mm. which um, they found uh, polyps. They scraped one out. The other one is embedded in my colon. So I have to have surgery. But the thing is, if I wouldn't have came in and started doing the medical things and looking after my health, 
it could have been something totally different. And thank God it wasn't cancerous. Yes. And um, that's why it's so important that as our men and women come to us, whether it's off the street or just from some other way of being homeless, that clinically you're seen right away because these things need to be caught early whatever the problems are and we're so blessed that we have the clinic now yes yes and uh with the uh pastors here um my case manager and everybody's here they help me out when i need um things done or if i'm having issues it just don't, i don't have to go to my case manager i can go to anyone and they help me out with the things i need to be helped out with um i'm just truly blessed i'm, I'm truly grateful uh, I'm getting closer and closer to God, studying the Word of God. I'm uh, in Alpha 114 also, which I'm an upper phase client. And I do... Um, yeah, I just want everybody to know that's like being uh, a senior in Harvard here at the mission. That's right. And you're very respected by the others that come in, because uh, everybody knows that if you reach Alpha... Uh, you really worked hard, and you dress differently on campus. And those that are just coming in and going through those other stages, they they look up to you all who are in Alpha and actually ask you to help them. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And one of the things that I do here that I love the most is actually being in the Regeneration Band, able be able to praise God because those I love to sing, and especially praise and worship. So I've been blessed. I mean, it, it, it's kept me being in the um, with the regeneration band and it's a band of brotherhood and we all doing the same thing and mm -hmm. um, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, well I don't know if you can say your goal in like 30 seconds, but what's your goal? My goal is to get my hazmat on my CDLs. I want to go back to driving tractor trailers again. Okay. Um, so, and I'm working towards that. Okay, well, I'm glad you also um, are going through the education uh, department and you're doing well there. So that's all part of Alpha and uh, getting, you know, all those tools uh, in your life so that if that relapse demon comes to you, you go, uh-oh, no, 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 no. I, I have this tool that's going to keep you away. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Jonathan. And we ask our listening audience, pray for Jonathan and the many other men, women, and children that come through our doors. Well, I hope you enjoyed the testimony of Jonathan. And, of course, I know you listened to the uh, great interview uh, with Allison Leach, the Food Movement Director for Sobe Wine and Food Festival. We're so grateful to them. Um, they did the food prep uh, here at the Mission and took it to the Sobe uh, festival, but we also benefited yes. because we got to have four wonderful meals. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meals were yes. prepped here uh, with those chefs. And boy, our our people in our programs and our are also our guests that yes. come from in the outside from yes. the outside to get a meal. They had the best meals this last week. And then I hope you had an eye-opening, uh, you know, experience in listening to the interview between Reverend Ronald Brummett, our president, and Judge Stephen Leafman. It does really explain uh, the issues with mental health and what is going on. So, uh, it, you know, a lot of things were said during this program, but Leanne, we got to give you an opportunity because <laughs> you're you're you work here at the mission. Yes. You are on staff. You're the community development associate. Yes. Uh, you reach out to the community, uh, corporate, in all different ways. But you're also the leader of Cover Girls, 
And yeah. that's a special group of women that are that come alongside and help our women and children while they are residing with us. You got something special coming up. Tell uh, us about it. Absolutely. And very special is right. I mean, if any one of my cover our cover girls is listening, please know how much we love you. And the cover girls is a group of wonderful women that get together. We get together every month uh, and we find ways to help the women and children residing at our center. Like right now, all of the moms that we have at the center have a mentor and it means so much that every single one of them not only is assisted by the case managers and the guest service assistants at our center but they're also assisted by a friend and that's what a cover girl is pretty much in in, in a nutshell uh, but we put together an event and this is part of what we do every year a fitness event that we are hosting on saturday march 9th at 10 a.m and so we're going to have a yoga class uh, with a wonderful instructor. Her name is Jennifer Levine. And then we're going to have a Zumba class mm. uh, by another wonderful instructor. Her name is Luisa. And uh, it's just going to be amazing. We also have a motivational speaker someone who lost over a hundred pounds and it motivated him to write a wonderful book about it and he's going to be sharing his testimony uh, with all of us at the event. And it's all everything all that for only ten dollars oh my goodness <laughs> wow so we are definitely looking for people who come out and support and be there with us uh to be healthy to work out maybe just to see the motivational speaker just to find out more about what we're doing now they can get the ticket through eventbrite you yes they can how, we, how do you do that so we have it on eventbrite under fitness fundraiser if you just google march 9th uh on eventbrite not google but search it will come up but again, if you call me here at the Mission Leanne Navarro, I would be more than happy to send you the invite or process the ticket with you on the phone, anything to make it easier, or send you the link uh, to Eventbrite. Okay, and uh, getting a phone number over the phone is kind of hard, but it's 305-572-2004 is yes. your number. But you can also go to caringplace.org and just say in the contact, I'm interested in, in the, the fitness event. Fitness mm -hmm. event. It's going to come to you, Leanne. Yes. We're going to make sure you get that. You're going to get back to them right away. We want to make it easy so you can connect. Yes. Now, remember, save two dates, March 9th and March 16th. Both of them is going to be held at 2031 Northwest First Court. That's Wynwood, okay, right there on First Court. It's a beautiful black and white swirled painted building. That is our Center for Men Annex. has a large area in there to do these events. And so it's easy to find. And we've done these events in the past, and they are amazing. Well, um, it's wonderful having you, Leanne. Thank you for being uh, the co-host today. And uh, hopefully Reverend Ronald Brummer will be back uh, on the air uh, next Sunday morning with another wonderful program of Mission Possible, the Good News Program. Thank you for listening. I'm Marilyn Brummett, and also wonderful Leanne Navarro was Thank with you. us today. God bless you so much. The fall savings sale is happening now at Mattress Warehouse. Save up to $1,000 plus get 0% interest financing for 60 months. Unsure of which mattress is right for you? Most people are. But Mattress Warehouse is home to BedMatch, the diagnostic system that recommends the best mattresses for your individual support needs. Try it for yourself today. And the Mattress Warehouse one-year price guarantee means you know you're getting the best price. Why shop anywhere else? Visit sleephappens.com for a location near you.